Well, as we get started this week, uh, please forgive me for using another sports illustration. I try really hard not to, uh, but it's two in two weeks, so it'll be about 10, 15 weeks not talking about sports. Uh, but the Gold Coast Suns, uh, they're the AFL team down the coast, and they had their first season in the AFL in 2011. After the new team was announced in 2009, it was also announced that Carrara Stadium uh, would be demolished and rebuilt. It was a $144 million building project uh, to increase the stadium uh, to be up to 40,000 seats uh, for the new AFL team. Uh, but for the Gold Coast Suns, a bigger new stadium hasn't really helped the success of the AFL team, the Gold Coast Suns. You see, here's their final positions out of 17 or 18 teams in the AFL over the last years. Year number one, 17. That's last, by the way. 17, 14, 12, getting better, 16, 15, seven, sorry, I meant 17th again, 17, 18, that's last with a new team, uh, 14, 16, and 12. You see, for the Gold Coast Suns and their success, their emergence, their development as a team, uh, the stadium rebuilding wasn't really the answer. It didn't really help them much at all. And likewise for God's people in Nehemiah, the building of the wall that we've seen, it was a good thing, but it wasn't really the answer either. If you're here for last week's sermon, the wall was fully rebuilt, chapter 6, but the wall didn't solve the people's problems. And if it was all about the wall in this book, chapter 7 would have been the end of the book, and we'd be starting a new sermon series today in 1 Peter. But Nehemiah keeps going. It continues because God's work hasn't finished. It's much more than about just a wall. Because we find out here in chapter 8 that God's remnant people, they resettle in God's city, and we find out that God's people themselves, they need a rebuilding too. They need a reformation. They need a renewal. Their minds and hearts and hands needed realignment to God. And the rest of this book in Nehemiah turns from the rebuilding of the wall and it turns towards the rebuilding of God's people. And this actually brings us to the last recorded narrative in the Old Testament, about 400 years gap at the end of Nehemiah before Jesus enters the scene in the Gospel writings. Our passage today in chapter 8 includes two scenes, and each scene includes a gathering, receiving instruction, and the people responding. But before we dive into the passage this morning, why does Nehemiah chapter 8 matter? What's the payoff for listening to God's word today? Well, we should always be ready to receive God's word, whatever passage we're in. But for today, Nehemiah chapter 8, spiritual renewal, spiritual reforming and spiritual growth, I think that's a huge topic in society today. The world has an answer what they seem to have to spiritual renewal, whether it be new age movements, 
positivity movements, therapies discover what they call your inner self, the church has always had an answer to spiritual renewal. But even the church can be shaky on this topic too. Turning from God to other places and finding renewal there instead. So how can you be spiritually renewed? How can you be reformed as a person of God to realign yourself with the God who creates and saves us? And how can we as a community of God's people together be spiritually renewed to be reformed as a people of God, to realign ourselves with God? I think these are questions that we naturally ask, that even the world asks. And if we're not asking them, maybe we should be. And today we're going to see what God's Word says about spiritual renewal, spiritual reforming, rebuilding the people of God around God himself. And we start at the first gathering in chapter 8. The gathering of all the people from verses 1 to 12. Verse 1 starts. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. You see, even amidst a slightly depressing completion of the war, there's a sense of significance an important moment for the people of God. They've come back from exile. They're back after the wall has been rebuilt. And the people gather. You could say they churched. And they hold this special church service, the first gathering of the people of God after exile. And the first thing the people do You see, they don't get the choir ready. They don't prepare the lights, the smoke machines, the digital screens or the fireworks or jet planes. They don't even make great plans for morning tea. What they do here is they tell Ezra to get the Bible so that he can teach them. You see, the first thing to note is God's people gather around God's word. You see, they knew their focus as God's people is about hearing God's voice, God's words. Verse 2, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. We see here that Ezra, he's more than happy to comply. He gets the Bible and he reads, teaches God's people gathered around God's word. And look at the importance they give to God's word as it's declared. Verse 4, And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose You see, they even made a stage, a pulpit, just for the giving of God's word. It was elevated, not to heighten the preacher, but to heighten this act of declaring God's word. The importance keeps going. And beside him stood Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand. 
and Pediah, Mishael, Mechajah, Hashem, Hashbanana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand, the keys to go quick spence, and then no one can tell. You see, Ezra was flanked by all the leaders of the people. You'd be thinking something serious is happening here. This is important. All the leaders are up here. And what's important? It's the reading of God's word. Verse 5 continues the importance of God's word in the gathering. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Imagine at every Bible reading in our church service, everyone knows to stand together. Everyone responds verbally, physically. And it's not being Pentecostal here. It's not over the top. It's saying that God's word is so important, significant, and revered to us because God, God and his voice is so important and significant and revered to us. I love when our Anglican brothers and sisters respond to God's word by saying, this is the word of the Lord, and everyone else says, thanks be to God. The first thing to note is that God's people gather around God's word. God's word is central. And the second thing to note is that God's people receive instruction from God's word. You see, the act of gathering and having a Bible reading isn't enough. The gathering in Nehemiah keeps going as people hear, they receive, and understand the word of God. Verse 7, And Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Keltiah, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. The church gathering was a bit different back then. Scripture, the law, was read out loud by Ezra or another leader. And then there were these people. They were like tutors, growth group leaders, They'd probably be more like the elders of the church, helping the people around them, giving them the sense or the teaching or the understanding of the passage. They'd be helping people explain by explaining the word of God so that everyone would receive instruction from the word of God, so that everyone in this gathering would walk away understanding the word of God. And this first scene ends, God's people have gathered under his word, they've received instruction and understood his work, word, and now they respond to God's word. You see, receiving instruction from the word of God, it isn't enough, it leads to a response, it leads to being rightly affected by God's word, it changes our minds, our hearts, and our hands. 
and we see here God's word affecting the people in Nehemiah. Verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. It's unclear where exactly from the law the people were reading from. Now, that's somewhere in the first five books of the Bible. But the people's hearts were broken. They saw their sinfulness in the presence of the Holy God. And as a result, they wept and mourned. You see, they understood God's word and it sank in. It hit home. And they responded head, heart, and hand. Nehemiah keeps going in verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. It sounds a bit strange, but he's basically saying it's not time to grieve. It's not just bad news that they've heard. You see, God's word declares God saving his people in incredible ways. God saving his people from Egypt to the promised land and now here from exile back to the promised land and for us from sin and slavery, from sin to life in Jesus our Lord and Saviour. You see, they've been reminded about their loving and saving God. So it's a time not just to be grieved, but it's time to celebrate his holiness, his grace, his mercy, and his steadfast love. And what we find as the first scene in Nehemiah ends is that the people, they do respond. We've already seen it in verse 9 to 11 already, but it continues in verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. They did all that they were supposed to. They responded because they had understood the words that were declared to them. You see, the responding continues here. After morning tea, after lunch, they all went home. They all went home affected and responding to the word of God. So in this first scene, how do we see spiritual renewal and reforming? Well, we see all of God's people gather around God's word, receive instruction from God's word, and respond to the word of God. And as we keep going to the second scene, while we see a different group of people and a few different things, surprise, surprise, we actually see the same steps happen here towards spiritual renewal, gathering around God's word, receiving instruction from God's word, and responding to the word of God, starting in verse 13. On the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra the scribe, 
in order to study the words of the law. This is actually the day after that big gathering had happened, and a small group of God's people, the heads of houses, along with the priests and the Levites, they came to Ezra to study the law. Effectively, it's all the leaders of the families and of the people that gathered around the Word of God, which is the first step that we saw before happen again. And on the side, it's Father's Day today, and I think there's a challenge here for fathers, for fathers to be men who gather around the Word of God as you lead your household and your family. We also see the second step to spiritual renewal here in verse 14. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and the other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. You see, as these leaders, they go to Ezra's house, they gather around God's word, they come across this passage in Leviticus, outlining a feast that they were to celebrate. It's the Feast of the Booths, or the Feast of the Tabernacles, that in fact they should have been celebrating right at that time. Verse 14 says it's the seventh month, and the end of chapter 7 says that it was the seventh month at the time. And this feast was a feast that reminded the people of God's mercy and provision, God's leading the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And it's a feast that they actually hadn't celebrated in obedience for centuries. And these leaders, they've gathered, they've opened the law, they've received instruction, as Nehemiah has highlighted, about this command to mark this feast of the tabernacles. So what did these people, what did these leaders do? Did they just ignore it and go home? Did they say, oh, maybe next year, Maybe when we're bigger, maybe when we're around the 100,000 people mark rather than 42,000. Maybe when more homes are built. Maybe when we hire another pastor or elect another leader. Have a look at verse 16. It says, so the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in the courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate, and the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. And there was a very great rejoicing. We see the people, they went out, and they responded to God's word. They put it into practice straight away. Not one, not two, not just the leaders, but in fact, all the people respond to God's word here. They obey his word. They change their ways and they apply his word into their lives. 
letting God's word affect them to pierce their hearts again. In this festival, reminding them about their hopelessness by living in booths or tents, reminding them of their past and reminding them of the goodness of God in saving them, making them a people rejoicing in his love and mercy day by day. So we've seen this morning in Nehemiah that the rebuilding of the wall, it wasn't enough. The real project was rebuilding the people. It was a spiritual renewal, a spiritual reform, aligning the people of God with God himself. And I think spiritual renewal is a huge topic today. People in the world are looking for spiritual renewal. Followers of Jesus are looking for spiritual renewal. So where do we look? Well, God teaches us through Nehemiah that spiritual renewal is found in God and his voice and his word. Gathering around God's word, receiving instruction from his word, and responding to his word. Well, today, unlike Nehemiah, we have the complete, final, total word of God. God's word handed down to us, showing us his goodness, showing us his ultimate goodness of salvation and life from sin and death in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we think about spiritual renewal today, as we think of God's word, salvation in Jesus Let's think about it today using these three steps towards spiritual renewal that we find here in chapter 8. And the first step we see is that God's people gather around God's word. There's two parts to the step. The first is God's people are together. We live in an ever-increasing individualistic society. And Christianity is becoming ever increasingly an individualistic exercise. It's between me and God. It's about my faith. We privatize it. We walk in and out of church without a personal interaction. Or we watch a screen in our own time. Or we say we're Christians who aren't connected to the church. Even Christians who say we don't believe in the church. But it's clear in Nehemiah and all of God's word that the people of God, they are a people. They are a collective group. They are a family and they gather. The act of gathering is key in spiritual renewal for God's people. And the second part is God's people gather around God's word. You see, what we gather around is important too. I went to a denominational seminar about five years ago, and the speaker outlined three forms of God speaking to us. He called it general revelation, biblical revelation, and personal revelation. And his points, I think, were generally okay, but his conclusions, his ending, to be honest, it shocked me, and it shocked me even until today. General revelation. 
how God speaks generally or naturally in this world, worldly wisdom, morals, God revealing himself to us through creation and nature, personal revelation, God speaking to us today personally and individually, and personal revelation in its worst form being a voice that's from God that's completely separate from the Word of God. This is the growing push to focus on in church gatherings today. A subjective voice from God that's divorced and separated from God's revealing to us in Scripture. It involves untested visions and dreams. It's about my beliefs, my feelings, and my emotions. And it leads to this phrase, God told me, and it's not in his word, but God told me this. And then there's biblical revelation. It's about God revealing himself to us through scripture. God's word, the Bible, scripture, that is God-breathed or God-inspired. And what we see in Nehemiah and in other parts of God's word, whether it be through the books of the law, the Psalms, the prophets, and the New Testament letters, is that while God does reveal himself to us generally in creation in the world and personally as the Spirit works Christ in us, we see in his word that the authoritative voice of God it's ultimately found in Holy Scripture, the Word of God, God's special revelation, God's final and inspired Word, God's Word of life, what we call the Bible today. God speaking to us about who He is and what He's done in Jesus. Unfortunately, the speaker running the seminar he said, general revelation is good. Special revelation is good. But what we're to focus on is personal revelation, putting God's word aside and trying to hear God's voice without his word. It shocks me still to today. You see, what we gather around is important because the world and even well-meaning and not so well-meaning believers are taking us away from the word of God. So the first step of spiritual renewal is to gather around God's word. Let me ask you this morning, are you regularly gathering around the word of God? Whether it be at church whether it be with other believers, spiritual renewal starts with gathering around the Word of God. So we keep going. The second step of spiritual renewal is that we receive instruction from the Word of God. You see, we as sinful human beings, we always want to do things by ourselves. We ignore the instructions that we've been given and we do it ourselves and we make a mess of it. Just look up IKEA fails, assembly fails, flat pack fails. And that's what happens when we try to spiritually renew ourselves by ourselves. 
You see, it's easy to get step one right, to gather around God's word, but not to actually receive any instructions as we gather, to come to the gathering out of ritual, to come to judge the quality of the service, to come to socialize, to come to sing, to come for a certain preacher or pastor, to come even for morning tea after. And effectively, if you're doing this, you're not receiving anything. You're doing spiritual renewal yourself. And I think it's pretty easy to evaluate this. Think about what's on your mind as you drive off from church. Is it what you've received from God's word or is it something else? Think about what you received from God's word last week, whether it be here or somewhere else. Do you remember what you received or is it a blank? The second step to spiritual renewal is to receive instruction from God's word. This means that as we gather together, we come ready to receive. We come actively listening to God's word taught in sermons, spots, even in song. And we actively participate in Bible studies to receive instruction in how we live for God how we live for God in light of his goodness to us in Jesus. And we don't have to worry too much about who's leading study, who's opening God's word, who's preaching. Just gather, open your Bible, and hear God's voice by his spirit through his word as it's explained to us. You see, we as God's people are to receive instruction from his word. And as we come to the third and the last step uh, at our discipleship training refresher over the last two weeks, which, by the way, is all about what Nehemiah chapter 8 is advocating for, uh, we rehashed uh, during this time a model for understanding a Bible passage, and we looked at context, content, big idea, and implications and I said to the group on Wednesday night that if you don't get to the implications, if you don't get to the application, if you stop at the big idea, all we've done is an academic exercise. Because God's word is not just about knowledge. You see, we are to respond to his voice and his word. You see, spiritual renewal, it hasn't happened until God's word is responded to. And in Nehemiah 8, we see God's people respond head, heart, and hand to his word. And today for us, we have the entirety of God's word, not just the book of the law. We have God's full story of salvation, Genesis to Revelation, all of them pointing to God saving us in Jesus. You see, we have even more reason to respond to God's word. So let me ask you this morning, are you regularly responding to the word of God? 
Are you regularly responding to the word of God? Or do you stop at hearing? You're present, you've heard, but there's really no follow through at all. Or do you stop at the mind? It's a mental or academic exercise. Do you stop at the heart? The gospel moves you, but it doesn't actually translate into life change. You see, God's voice, God's word demands a whole life response to the gospel message. Head, minds renewed, heart, emotions renewed, and hand, lives renewed as we live for Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You see, that's the renewing and the reforming that God was doing in his people here in Nehemiah. And that's the renewing and reforming work that God does with us as we gather, receive, and respond to his word and his good gospel. Make it a habit every Sunday to ask, how am I responding, head, heart, and hand, to God's word today? Well, as we finish our time, our well-known pastor, John Stott, he says, we need to repent of the haughty ways in which we sometimes stand in judgment upon Scripture. And we must learn to sit humbly under his judgments instead. If we come to Scripture with our minds made up, expecting to hear from it only an echo of our own thoughts and never the thunderclap of God's, then indeed he will not speak to us and we shall only be confirmed in our own prejudices. We must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. Will we together corporately, as a community of God's people, allow the word of God to do its work in us? Will we gather, receive, and respond to God's holy and mighty voice and respond to God's goodness and love in his message of salvation in Jesus? Will we be spiritually renewed as he works through us through his word? Let's pray. Father God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. Help us to be people of your word, of your voice, people who gather, people who actively listen and receive and respond to your word day by day, week by week. And as we do this, Father, we ask that you would speak powerfully in and to us. Cause us to trust in your son, Jesus. Help us to live for him. Help us to be united in him and to serve him and share him. 
to grow more and more in Christ-likeness. Father, help us by your Spirit to be a people of your Word, listening to you first and foremost and only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.